0: Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we are children of yours because you have grabbed a hold of us and made us that way. That is nothing on our own, no works of our own, no righteousness of our own, no justice of our own, or mercy or grace on our own. That is your mercy, your grace is put onto us, given us life because Jesus, what you did on the cross to take away our sins and give us life. praise you for that so we claim that we are your children and now live in light of that and i pray lord jesus that this morning that you would speak lord we as your church need to hear your words and we need to understand um, what you're calling us to and how you're calling us in it and this morning as we talk about unity in the church i pray lord that you would speak Lord, there's so many beautiful things that are happening inside the the wildfires of 2020. And I pray that we would be able to see them. That we would have our eyes open and be able to perceive what you're doing. Lord, it's hard on us. I confess, as a human, it's hard. It's hard to see beyond all of the, the stuff of this year. But I know that I know that you're calling what is beyond this. That this hasn't thrown you by surprise or thrown you off. or you You didn't stumble onto 2020 and were shocked by this. You knew what was happening. You knew that there was going to be a pandemic. You knew that there was going to be racial and social upheaval. You knew that there was going to be fires. There was going to be all of this stuff, and the list actually goes on. You knew that. And I believe and trust you that you have planned and prepared beyond that. So we trust you in that. We're going to live in that confidence. So Lord, I pray that you would continue to open doors on the streets in North Seattle here, that we would truly be able to see North Seattle transformed by finding an epic life in you, that they, that this community, the ground itself, would discover a renewal of heart and soul and that one of the darkest places of Seattle could become the lightest place, that the light would shine into the darkness and the darkness would not be able to overcome it Or recognize it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our ministry arms um, into the community and business areas and networks like 4 North Seattle would thrive and, and become something that would be effective in communities along the street, especially the business and customer communities along the street. I pray that Pilgrim Coffee would continue to thrive and and you would continue to do a wonderful, amazing work in and amongst the staff there and and the community, the groundswell of community that's coming around there and as we take the next steps in that. I pray that our, our food bank, the giving room, would, would thrive, would multiply, would be a blessing to our neighborhood, and that there would be more people than ever, and there would be more food and, and, and clothing and warmth than ever, and that we'd have the volunteers to connect and share and bless people, Lord, as they come and they go. I pray that our our community up and down the streets here in North Seattle would be a place of thriving and abundance of blessing to the people around us, that we would see the city as where we've been sent and that we would seek the favor, the good favor of the city and see you at work. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the men and women, boys and girls up and down these streets would come to know you as Savior. Here at Epic Life and be part of this community, but also in our neighboring churches, I pray that you would raise them up and bless them and in Roots Community Church and Missio and, and Seattle Foursquare and Salvation Army and, and Bethany and Mosaic and, and uh, Sanctuary, uh, Lord, Every Nation and the, the churches around here that, Lord, you place in our neighborhood. I pray that they would thrive, that you would do some a work in the community, in the people, the church, Lord. And so, Lord, this morning, would you please speak? You know where my heart's at in this, and you know the the trepidation I come to this message. And so I ask that you would speak. May my words, um, my personal words, fade into the background and your words come up into the front. I need you, Lord. And we need you as a church we need you as a church in the name of jesus amen such a blessing to see you this morning uh, and uh, be with you those of you who are here this morning as well thanks for being here so it's really really good to uh to have somebody to speak to in uh thank you in our, our room here and uh, those of you who are on, online and watching this, what a blessing it is. We actually have created more space here. So if you're ready to, to uh, come to this space, I want to encourage you to do that. There's lots of space available for you. So uh, if you think the best place for you to be right now is at home, then we want to bless that as well and encourage you to be there. And I, my prayer is that this message would encourage us as a church. Uh, and as, as you all know, it's smoky. And it's, I think it's kind of smoky in this room. There's like an atmosphere in this room. And I kind of have a, an honest, honestly, I kind of have a weak throat anyway. And so this, this doesn't help me out. I might be coughing more than ever this morning. And so I apologize for that. But uh, that smoke is where you can have Anybody, anybody like burning this morning? It's been burning. Uh, yesterday morning, I woke up with a headache just from breathing this stuff. So um, new for me, this is the thickest I've ever seen. It I drove out Enum Claw. And seriously, on the highway, uh, going into Enumclaw, I could only see three dots on the road ahead of me. That was some scary driving. Just the lights coming up and it's like, oh, there's a car right there. Hey, coming up a couple Sundays from now will be the fourth Sunday of the month, and this is going to be a very um, a beautiful and wonderful Sunday. It's going to be out right out here in the parking lot, and we're going to have a, just a small stage set up and some music and spread everybody out. I want to encourage everybody to come on that Sunday. There's going to be a baptism. There's some testimonies. We'll do communion on this fourth Sunday gathering everybody together. This is really, really important uh, to gather the community of believers together. And we're going to do that in the parking lot in a very clear beautiful sunny Sunday morning after a nice refreshing rain that washes the sky out. Right. So uh, i think that's it so here goes on thursday it's pretty amazing actually i shouldn't be amazed by it but i'm constantly amazed at how god does things and how he puts things together the fortuitous moments if you will um thursday after uh, going through the past week and things that have happened on Thursday, there was a, a beautiful, wonderful um, North Seattle prayer gathering right here. We prayed for uh, Seattle, uh, our our sister church that meets in this building, uh, the Light uh, Church. Eritrean Church and Pastor Habtom got to just pray as as many people gathered in this room praying for the city, calling on God asking his favor on the city, praying that people would come to know him. That prayer gathering was so wonderful. It actually started on Thursday morning me meeting with a, a mentor friend of mine and being able to just be encouraged and, and loved on and, and um, encouraged in, in the blessing that, that God had through him um, and then also the prayer gathering and, and And then as I continue to work on this message, this message... is uh is about unity and something that i've been planning if you remember last week i'm talking through this uh, series on joshua uh some some prophetic word over epic life church and we're last week it was about being strong and courageous and in preparation as we go forward to what god's calling us to this week is on the unity of our community gathered in in the direction next week um Jason uh, Skipper will be speaking about stepping into the river on the third Sunday, and then the fourth Sunday we'll be talking about consecrating ourselves as we get ready for the journey ahead of us. And so, um, and, and so this morning I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on this idea about the unity of the church and what it means uh, as we enter in, in unity. There is power in unity, but the enemy hates it hates it hates it hates it if you hear anything this morning you're going to hear me say the enemy hates the unity of the children of god he hates the unity of the church amazingly all of the children of israel entered into the promised land not just part of them moses the great leader he would could not unify the israelites it took them 40 years in the desert They were not in unity when they first came up on the river, the Jordan River. So we're gonna start reading this morning from Joshua, and then I'm gonna go through a lot of verses, and they're really amazing verses because these are words of Jesus talking about unity. These are words from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and all over the place. And actually there's a a lot, there's a lot here. So I I hope you brought your Bible this morning. I hope you have your Bible at home and you actually turn to these passages. Of course we'll have them available to you as well. I'm not gonna be able to turn to all of them because I wanna save some time and be able to get all of this out. So, I've got a a paper with it all written here. But first, let's start with Joshua chapter 1, verse 12. And this is, of course, now remember last week we talked, uh, uh, God is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, be be strong, be very strong and courageous. And then God commands him, I command you to be strong and courageous. He's looking at the, the man that he's assigned for the, the purpose of taking the children of Israel over the river. He's looking at this man that he's assigned and he's saying, I'm commanding you, Joshua. I know that you, you are timid. I know that you are a bit fearful. I know that you are worried. That you're not the right guy. I command you. I'm telling you, be strong and courageous. Do not back down. Do not back down. This is the right thing. This is the right moment. And so then Joshua um, turns to the Israelites and say, "This is what God's calling us to do. Let's go." And uh, if if you remember back in in Deuteronomy, Moses was dividing up some of the land, and some of the children of Israel, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, were going to stay on the east side of the river, and on the west side of the river. Is where the rest of the Israelites would go but in verse 12 we're going to pick up this story where Joshua or verse 9 I'm sorry where Joshua is talking to uh, the people and he says this is my command this is God speaking this is my command be very strong be courageous do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go this is God speaking to them I, I command you be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged and so when we hear words from God, we can take those. I was one of those people sitting in church, sitting there listening to the sermon of an imperfect man, a man who, who sinned a lot, who had a lot of problems in life, but preaching the word of God. I was one of those guys sitting out there going, I believe this. I actually believe what he is saying as he was preaching through Joshua, preaching through what Jesus would say, as he was preaching, I would say, I believe this. I believe that God has a promise and he wants us to do things. I believe that. And so Joshua is one of those men. He steps up before God. He knows that he's being commanded to be strong and courageous, not to be afraid or discouraged no matter what comes out but to lead the people of Israel. And Joshua then, and this is verse 10, then commanded the officers of Israel go throughout the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready prepare for the journey and in three days you are going to cross the Jordan River and it's scary it's deep it's swift it's dropping from 1500 feet to negative 900 feet I mean this is a a river a torrent that's flowing and it's in flood stage okay Joshua we will trust you verse 12 then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh and he told them Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord, your God, is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, livestock may remain here. And he's talking about the east side of the river. In the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan River to help them conquer the territory given to them. Stay with them stay with them i'm just going to jump ahead uh, to verse 16 they answered joshua we will do whatever you command us and we will go wherever you send us we will obey you just as we obeyed moses and may the lord your god be with you as he was with moses anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death yikes and then they say to joshua we're behind you So be strong and courageous. These are the people now telling Joshua to be strong and courageous and his leadership taking them where they're supposed to go. Of course, we don't live in an age where we stand up and say, hey, if you don't follow me, uh, you know, God's going to strike you dead. So thank God we don't live in that age, right? Moses, though the great leader he was, could not unify the Israelites. It took 40 years in the desert and it really took God's calling on these people's life and then in Joshua to move forward. Unity is the vital component of a gospel-centered church, a gospel-centered people. So if you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, jotting stuff down on your phone, wherever it is, I hope you are so that helps us remember things. Unity is the vital component of a gospel-centered church. Church, And there is no better passage that we can turn, turn to than John chapter 17 as Jesus's own words to the church about unity. I hope you can read this entire chapter. It's phenomenal. It's, God, it's Jesus's prayer for his, his men, his, his people, his church. So John chapter 17, Jesus turns and takes the idea of unity and brings it into the hearts of his people. John chapter 17, verse 9: My prayer is not for the world, but is for those you have given to me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. What's our purpose? Bring him glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them, protect my disciples by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of your name that you gave me. I guarded them so that none was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. And now jumping forward to verse 20, I am praying not, for, not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us right now. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You feeling the unity in there? I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Would you pray with me? (sighs) Father, we just long for your perfect unity. I I I just need you this morning. I just need you. Amen. Perfect unity together in Christ. The fact is, the enemy hates the unity of the church. The enemy, our enemy, is Satan. The devil. Diablo. diablos. His name means division. That's what his name means. The enemy's name in Greek has the roots and the understanding of division. diablos, To divide, to throw against, even, even more clearly, to throw against one another. The enemy is, is attacking the church to divide the church. He is attacking us. He hates us. He hates the unity of the church. In fact, he hates God's perfect unity. God's perfect unity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the perfect unity of the triune God. He hates that. That is beautiful, perfect unity that Jesus is praying for his church right now. And and the enemy hates that. He hates it. He despises their completeness completeness of relationship completeness of unity he is if you're taking notes number one he is a deviant divider he divides us from god throughout the history of this word of god that we read he's dividing us from god and he's dividing us from one another look at the very 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 beginning adam and Eve divided. Cain and Abel divided from God, from each other. Jacob and Esau, Joseph and and his brothers, Moses and the people divided, 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 and on through history, division, division, division. The enemy hates us and hates the unity that's given to us. Mark chapter 3, Jesus speaks And he's speaking in response, he says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. A house divided cannot stand. Of course, Satan hates the house of God. Of course, he hates the house of God. He wants the house of God to fall and not stand. For when the house of God, the church stands, it crushes the head of the serpent. And when we are stand, un, standing united, we're putting our heel on the head of the serpent, we're crushing him, and he hates that, he wants to divide us so that we crumble and fall. His greatest accomplishment is dividing the church and killing unity. He kills this unity that we learn about at the very beginning of learning about the church at all, which is in Acts chapter 2. We read these passages over and over and over to uh, discover and understand what the church is supposed to be all about. So Acts chapter 2 verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves, listen to this, it starts out with the word all, unity. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals including the lord's supper and to prayer a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all of the believers listen to this, all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need they worshipped together at the temple each day they met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Acts 2.42 the explosion of the church because of unity The church was exploding because they were together. So many people look at this verse and they look at the unity here and and people use these verses to describe the church today in the way that they want to describe it today without looking at the complete word the word is all and so people take this verse these verses and go look at this meeting together large numbers thousands of people they're gathered together in one place we should be gathering in one place on sunday morning and that should be everything church is about we should put all of our money and everything into the sunday morning service and yes i'm going to say that is absolutely true and conversely at the same time i should say people take these verses and go listen all together eating together and they're sharing um, in their homes eating the Lord's Supper in their homes, gathering together in small communities in their spaces. Um, and, And this is how the church should be today, gathering in small communities and worshiping together and sharing the Lord's Supper together. And I'm going to say, yes, that is how church should be. These verses point to both of these things. And to those of you who believe that Sunday morning is overdone and we shouldn't gather together on Sunday morning, I want to just point you back to this. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. In fact, go to verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple every day. So if we're going to go to small groups only and in our homes only and forget about Sunday morning, you better be meeting in the temple every single day to be doing that. But if you're going to flip it and just go to church on Sunday morning, then where are these passages fitting in where we're meeting in homes for the Lord's Supper and sharing? These are about unity, gathering together as a people of God and not being selfish. And so what the enemy says is look at the explosion of the church because of unity. I'm going to divide that. I'm going to come in and I'm going to cut that off so that people are divided and they're dispersed and they don't come together. Too many believers have become comfortable with their personal Jesus experience and view worship together with the house of God as an inconvenient scheduling conflict. Let me say that again. Too many believers have become comfortable with their personal Jesus experience and view worshiping together with the house of God as an inconvenient scheduling conflict, you know the average attendance of a committed Christian nowadays is under two community events a month. I know, I know, know. Don't make us feel bad. Don't make us feel bad. Come on, I'm not trying to make us feel bad. I'm trying to point out the power of unity of coming together. We need, must come together on Sunday morning. COVID-19 is driving a division in the church and it's separating us. And sadly, it's not even separating us into small groups, into homes. It's separating us into isolation completely. And we are being driven apart as the church. I believe that even though this thing, this virus, we don't quite understand it, that the enemy has either designed it or is using it to divide the church with a purpose of separating the church. We must worship together and consistently. We must pray together, worship together, be part of. We, worshiping together and consistently plays a role in the unity of the church. It gives us health. It gives us power. It gives us effectiveness. It gives us encouragement. It gives us exhortation. It gives us love. It gives us bonds that join us together so that that can't be Divided. The farther we are away from each other, the less we know each other. (sighs) He is a deviant, deviant divider, and he hates the unity of the church. The list can go on. He divides us over politics because we value policies more than we value people. He divides us over politics that define us and divide us. We agree on Jesus. We agree on Jesus as our unifier. Time together unity together we can still disagree on politics but love each other and be together he divides us on social things social justice social awareness social structure he divides us on structure structure of the church structure of the family structure of, of society he divides us on faith faith and fear and he brings those two, two together and divides us on that and won't let us end there the list goes on and on and on about how he divides us satan has been forced now to take notes on humanity. He has a playbook, and that playbook says how to divide the church. You know, he is not an all-knowing being. He can't be inside of us. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't look at the world and know everything like God does. He can't be everywhere like God is. He can't understand everything like God does. So he has taken note for years and years and years on humanity and how to divide us from God and divide us from each other. He knows some things. One of the things he knows is that unity gets answers. Matthew 18 Jesus speaks right at the end of discussing some things. He says, I tell you the truth. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 19. Um, Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. Or where two or three are gathered as followers, there I am as well. This doesn't mean that we won't get our prayers answered individually, but it just means that when there's unity, prayers get answered. Unity gets answers. The enemy knows that. And so when he divides us and keeps us separate, there's power in his effectiveness in that. The enemy knows that unity is effective against enemies and he hates this in ecclesiastes verse chapter 4 verse 9 two people are better off than one they can help each other succeed if one person falls the other person can reach out but someone who falls alone is in real trouble likewise two people lying close together can keep each other warm but how can one be warm alone I've talked off a little bit in the last few um, weeks about this show that we've watched called Alone, where they've taken these survival experts and put them into the wilderness alone and to see how long they can survive. Every one of them just gets lonely and they can't continue. They could probably continue for years if they had one other person. But by themselves, they cannot get beyond 50, 60 days and usually they're going a little mental at that time. The rest of this Says that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated because his back is exposed. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The enemy knows that unity is effective against enemies. Two, in the name of the Lord, is more powerful than ever. Alone can be attacked unity has power and effectiveness the enemy knows that unity is blessed psalm 120 133 it says this behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity it's like the precious oil on the beard running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron running down onto the color of his robes. This was a, an anointing blessing that, that was poured over Aaron. Um, and it wasn't just a drip, a drop, but it, it covered him, pouring down, flowing over, soaking in, smelling like this is that precious oil, unity. It is like, what is like unity is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Dew is a precious commodity in a wilderness. It's the sustenance in between the rains. It's the, the life in between the rains. It's beautiful. For where the Lord has commanded, for there, there, where? Unity. For in unity, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forever. The enemy knows that unity is a blessing to us a given blessing to us that God gives. When we draw close to a person or in the church or a friend that you are divided from, the blessing of God falls. When we draw close to a person, we are divided from the blessing of God falls. Unity, anointing, refreshment in life. The enemy knows that unity is unstoppable. There's an amazing chapter back in Genesis chapter 11, and this is presenting this story after Noah and the flood and and humanity going right back to their abysmal ways. There's a story of a tower. Most of you will know this. Genesis 11 verse 1. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and they settled there. And they began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used. And they said to each other, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world but the lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Listen, we often preach this as, as humans not obeying the word of the lord by scattering around the world, but there's something more devious happening here. The lord came down to look at the city and the tower and the people were building and he said, "Look. The people are united and they are they speak the same language. After this, after this, after this unity, Nothing they set out will do, to do will be impossible for, for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people. The people were in rebellion against God, gathering and building a temple to themselves. All right? That's what was happening here. And in their unity, in their unity in, in a rebellion, they were achieving a lot. The enemy looked at that moment and has been writing notes on that moment and says, look at what's possible when bad motives unite. Satan knows the divider knows what could be possible with good motives. A unified group, a unified church with faith, with a strong faith, with a courageous faith, an uh, undiscouraged faith does things like step into a river and walk around Jericho in the worst season to do this. And in the most unprecedented way, the most like unwarriorish way, we're going to walk around and play some guitars or horns. That's what strong unity, unity can do under God. And Satan knows that. The divider has been attempting to separate us from God since the garden. Look back and see it. Separating us. When he saw the Tower of Babel crumble, he has violently tried to separate us from each other. He unifies humans under his banner once again, but divides Christians under the banner of God. Division destroys, and there is no power. He knows that unity is unstoppable. Our biggest and most affection, effective right punch in the enemy's face is to fight for unity with that person, those people, that entity who you are frustrated most with. That's our biggest right hook to the enemy. Satan hates your fight and fights with all he has against what unifies us. So remember that in unity, it's not like um, we'll unify as long as you agree with everything I have to say. <laughs> That's not unity. And so the enemy is fighting against us coming together. Ephesians 4 which we talked about recently we went through the whole book of ephesians and camped on ephesians 4 a little bit because we realized that the book of ephesians is about our identity in christ and we've been stamped by the Holy with the holy spirit to be a people not for individual purposes necessarily but to be unified as a church and so ephesians 4 verse 2 says always be humble and gentle Be patient with one another, making allowances for each other's faults. We need to study this and meditate on this. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Unity of the church Demands our commitment. Most of us run from the hard work of unity. We like the facade of a feeling of, humi- of, of, uh, com- of unity, but we don't like the hard work of unity. Why do people go from church to church, bounce from here to there, get upset at the pastor, get upset at somebody, get upset at somebody who walked past them, did something or other, get upset because we didn't have the right saying or thing out there, and just walk away and disappear? It's because they don't want to do the hard work of unity. Unity requires us to step into something for the the greater benefit of the church, and for the church, but the, the glory of God for people to see Jesus. Most of us run from that, but unity of the church demands our commitment. The devil owns the space that divides people. If you're writing some notes, maybe write this sentence down. When you become content with the space between you or run from difficult conversations, you create the devil's playground. And people, others, catch the crossfire. Unity requires a commitment that many of us are not willing to give. one of the things that divides us is judgment. And we are not to judge one another. It's easy to judge the one we are divided from or frustrated with. In fact, a critical spirit that doesn't believe the best in someone else says the reason she, the reason he did this is because of a bad motive, a bad intention, a bad heart. It's a critical spirit that drives a wedge between us in the unity of the church. For so easy for us to judge. Judging requires you to know the motives behind behavior. We get this? When we judge others, it requires us to know the motives behind behavior. And it kills unity. A critical spirit drives you away from others. It divides and separates us from other people. Rampant. It is rampant in the church. Spiritualized as a gift of exhortation. Judgment can be measured between two people. Listen. Judgment can be measured between two people. For the for the closer you are to a person, the less you judge that person, and the more you let offenses go. It's like a good marriage good marriage, or someone you just first start dating, you, you stop judging them that much. And in fact, you don't. You don't even start, that or you just let things slough off. But the farther the distance, the farther the critical spirit, the judgment happens, the more distance in between, the more we judge and the more we assume their motives. Distance breeds judgment. Distance of love breeds judgment. Distance of caring for one another breeds just judgment. Distance with, of, of lack of humility. Distance of, of prayer and being in the spirit breeds judgment. Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging was the standard by which you will be judged yourself. And I mean, that, the verse kind of continues, doesn't it? If you know those passages, it says, why worry about the speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your own? And it goes on to say, take care of some things yourself. We judge others two ways, right? We judge others by their actions, and we judge of ourselves then by our intentions, right? We judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. And I say, Perhaps both of those are an incorrect way, an incorrect thing. If we're going to judge, please judge me. Please judge each other by our best moments. Our best moments perhaps speak a fuller truth, not by our worst moments. And we are so easy and so good about judging each other by our worst moments. Believe the best in others, especially others you're linked to. Look beyond that other person and to Jesus. One thing that Christine in our marriage has taught me and has done many times is look beyond me to Jesus and and my best moments instead of just this. We need to be as a community quick to apologize and quick to forgive. Back to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 23 so if you are presenting a sacrifice, I, I feel like Jesus might have said it like this. So let's just say, let's just say you're going to present a sacrifice at the altar of the temple. All right. You kind of got that picture? And you are suddenly remember. You just kind of suddenly, it just pops into your mind. You suddenly remember that somebody has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there on the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person and then come and sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Be quick to apologize, quick to forgive. Be the first and the fastest to apologize and to forgive. The divider hates it because apology and forgiveness brings unity that's unstoppable, is powerful, is effective in the vision that God's given to us. The divider hates it. Because when we're unified, it takes his playground away. He has no place to play. So we can see others, we can appreciate others, and we can celebrate others', others strengths, others' great moments. Perhaps we need to stop reading the notes of Satan that he has on other people. You know, we're very righteous and very religious when we see the enemy attacking us with temptation. And we go, get behind me, Satan. I will not bow to that. I will stand away. I will run away from that. We're righteous about that. That's good. But when he speaks judgment about another person, we pull up a chair and start taking notes. Fight for unity, men and women. The war is for disunity. Unity, unity, a unified church can step into promise. Your identity, we are identified with the stamp of the Holy Spirit in unity. The image bearers of Christ himself. So is that other person that you have a disagreement with, that you're frustrated with, that you're disunified with that person is also an image-bearer. We can have grace. We can, we can relax. You love that person. Listen, those who are divided from you are loved by God, the same one that loves you. As we close, would you, would you close your eyes? If you're at home, I would just encourage you to close your eyes too. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak into what's going on in your soul right now. There's maybe a list of names that the Holy Spirit is prompting you with. People, men and women, that you have a division against, with. There's a divided space there. I just want you to start writing those down in your mind. In fact, if you are capable, if you have a piece of paper, I want you to write those down. Write down the divided person and why. And then I just want to encourage you to burn that paper. (laughs) And then pray a blessing over that person. You know, when we pray a blessing, as you're thinking about that person... Think about praying a blessing over that person. Praying a blessing over that entity. Praying a blessing over that group. I know I'm speaking personally, and I'm also speaking in our social upheaval moment. May we pray a blessing over that group. Before we get upset, before we come against, may we always Spend time on our knees, fasting and praying. Ask the questions. Why does Satan want us divided right now? That's an important question to ask. We can ask it as a church and leadership. We can ask it as individuals, as families, as as a group, a church. uh, Maybe even broader than that. Why would why would the enemy want us divided right now? Why? Why well, I think that the enemy often divides us when he sees great things happening. <laughs> you know, I think it's a beautiful Testimony about Joshua and that God selected and chose Joshua to lead the people. And this is the testimony of them coming to the river and just going across. You know, the testimony was God was going before them. But what happened to the previous Israelites 40 years ago is a dividing line came. And the the few, the tiny amount, the two out of twelve that said, This is the place we need to go, we need to go joshua caleb and probably moses said we need to go this is where god's calling us and the people go no 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 no. wait a second look at everything that could happen what if what if all of this happened the river's scary the people are huge the land yes yeah, it's, it's 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 flowing with milk, milk and honey but come on we're gonna die over there The dividing line came, the divider came, and he came in with intent to divide the children of Israel so they did not enter into the promise. Joshua returns 40 years later. And somehow the people were united. They didn't step into the river because God opened it up and said, there you go, there's a clear path. They stepped into the river because they were united in a faith that God was calling them in a direction to. I don't know if it was Joshua doing it. I think it was God leading it. Joshua was just being used. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for how you speak to us. I am very thankful that you put this sermon on my mind two weeks ago. I'm very thankful, Lord, that you put people around us who can Encourage and lift us up and help us not to be afraid, like you did with Joshua and the, the tribes that stayed on the east side when they came to Joshua and said, We're behind you. So be strong, Joshua, and be courageous. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of friends. And I also thank you for the blessing of people who, who seem like they're enemies, <laughs> but they're in the church, so they're not. They're brothers and sisters. The blessing of them are are so wonderful, so beautiful, so good. I pray that we'd make that list and we'd get rid of that list by praying for other people. And I pray, Lord, as a church, we would be unified to walk forward into the blessing you're calling us to, even though the river is not open. And Lord, before you and before our church I confess my own disbelief but my own inability to communicate well to lead well to help us all see the vision you're calling us to my my own sin of of uh of selfish ambition of uh desires perhaps and I confess to you my own um, my own ability to allow the enemy to divide me looking at the the speck in others eyes while I have a plank in my own eye may I not do that Lord and I pray that our church would hear this message and I pray against against defensiveness defensiveness divides. I pray that our spirits would hear this and we would understand the unity of the church and the power that's in the unified brothers and sisters coming together and walking in a direction. Holy God, please, you're so good. And I pray that as we sing this last song, that we would respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: feelings toward and judge and instead bless maybe these can be the words so maybe have that person in your mind as you sing this song Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine
0: I reminded of one story when i was a young boy i was in a little town of Grangeville, idaho at mountain shadows baptist church and i remember my folks would come home especially when I was probably junior high they were kind of frustrated frustrated with a business meeting they had gone to <laughs> oh this little church of about 50 people had had swelled and the the tiny space that held 100 people max was jam-packed uh, I mean, COVID-19 nightmare jam-packed, right? And, and they came to the business meetings like, we need to do something. Start another, start another uh, um, service, uh, add on, do something. And, and my parents came home that night super discouraged because the enemy drove a wedge in the people and they decided not to do anything. That something might happen and they could build and, and people would stop coming. It it was a sawmill. It was closing down in the city. Well, the church didn't build. And over time, over a couple years, the church shrank back down to about 45 people. When I was in high school, I started being interested in business meetings. I remember in high school, the youth ministry was growing. It was exciting. Kids were coming from school. Fellowship as Christian Athletes was thriving at the time as well. And we were leaders in the wrestling team and football. And we were drawing friends into church. And and the church was squeezing in again. And we started a second service. And and things were full and exciting. And and just seeing people come to Christ. And we were out ministering and and actually witnessing door-to-door of all things. And we had this business meeting. This business meeting that said, We need to do something. Let's build. We have these plans actually drawn up. The plans are there. The architectural plans are ready to go. Let's pull the plug and let's do this. And uh, it was so exciting. This was going to be great. The enemy came in and drove a wedge into that meeting. I remember sitting in the back, and my older brother stands up. He's 18, this kid, right? And I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, my brother's talking. And he says something like, why aren't we doing anything? How can we say no to this? This is an 18-year-old, I know, young and passionate. But I just looked at him and go, oh, wow. The church didn't do anything. Wedge driven, shrunk back down to 40 people. Many years later, that church, that building still stands there. Perhaps right now, um, it's starting to thrive again. 20, 30 years later. (laughs) They're pushing the 40-year mark. Um, I just say that because that's what God brought to my memory, my mind about what division does. What if... In junior high in 1982, the people of God would have stood up and gone, forget about the what ifs. We're going to move forward. God is doing something here and it's clear. Let's do this. Who knows what would have happened? It's hard to say. But I don't want to be on the edge of the frontier, edge of the river, and not walk in because of a, a potential what if. So there's my words. Father God, I, I praise you. And right now I am begging you to not allow defensiveness to enter into the equation that people, we would all see a reality in our own soul about allowing the divider to fulfill his namesake and and play in the playground space of division. So I look forward and look into a united church because that's what you called us to you've called us to be united and to go and that's what we will do and i praise you for that and so whatever that it means as we as we move um, we move as united brothers and sisters would you draw us back together in in a space where we're we're shoulder to shoulder at sometime soon maybe the fourth sunday here in a couple weeks out in the parking lot i just pray that you would draw the church back together in unity lord jesus You're so good. May we look after each other. May we pick up the phone and call one another, text one another, remind us of people's names and text them, Lord. May we get on top of unifying the church in this time of social division. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have a fantastic day. I love you all very much. Epic life. I look forward to seeing you and celebrating this epic life that he's given to us. Have a fantastic day.